The Victory Formation Podcast is brought to you by Pilgrim Roasters. Pilgrim Roasters is a roastery and coffee shop located at 4120 Main Street in Maniunk, Philadelphia. Pilgrim Roasters specializes in unique coffees from all over the world, brought specially to you in-store and online at www.pilgrimroasters.com. Take 10% off your first order with Pilgrim Roasters when typing in promo code GOODSOUP10 at checkout and figure out what all the buzz is about. You know something? No soup for you! Come back one year! We both have so much in common. We both love soup. Soup's not a meal. You're supposed to buy me a meal. I'm not stopping you from eating. Go ahead and eat. Get anything you want. That's a lot of soup. That's a lot of soup. It looks delicious. Soup. What is up, everybody? It is Tuesday, April 5th, and the final four has happened, and the unthinkable tragedy for the Duke Blue Devils has taken place. In Coach K's final game, he loses to North Carolina in the final four. Uh, Shakespearean-level tragedy here, Finn. What are your thoughts from uh, both games this weekend? Uh, I mean, the Duke game, straightforward. It's, it's Coach K's fault. Um, biggest takeaway for me is obvious foul trouble for Duke right off the bat. Foul trouble, in my opinion, comes down to player discipline. Player discipline, player discipline stems right from the coach. You have to establish that from day one. I think Coach K blew it on that end. Um, for Villanova and Kansas, initial thoughts were I did, I mean, uh, I, I thought Villanova would have kept it closer in the beginning. Uh, I mean, obviously, like jumping out to what was it, like a 19-point lead at some point, that's just a little too much to overcome. I know we're going to get into the specifics on it, but uh, you got to have more fight in the beginning. I mean, Kansas, in my opinion, looks like – and I, I texted a few friends after that game was over. Like, Kansas looked like a national championship team. Granted, yeah, they were yeah, playing yeah. against a, a Villanova that was a man-down key player – um, Villanova did fight back, but Kansas just looked, looked too formidable. Yeah. Um, I, we will get into Kansas Villanova. I do want to start with Duke UNC coach K loses in the final four to his biggest rival. It also pulled his career record against North Carolina to 50 and 50. And, you know, when coach K got there, Duke was an afterthought. It was NC state and Carolina. And he made Duke a blue blood. Like there was a joke Kenny Smith made on air that Duke's not a blue blood. Duke's a blue blood. All right. And that's not debatable at all. But his goal is to pull them ahead in North Carolina. And I think this game proved that like Duke is still a cut below North Carolina for Duke fans. Unbearable level of uh, of just self-doubt. De- dejection. Everything you can say. I mean, they, they, North Carolina is a trump card forever now. Duke, Duke fans can't be douchebags like they've always been without ever hearing that L. And it's the biggest L I think a college program has ever taken um, in this game, considering the rivalry, considering Coach K, considering the stakes. But to break down more of the game, it really came down to Caleb Love in the second half and R.J. Davis in the first half just making bad and tough shots. And that's been North Carolina this whole tournament. Williams went out in this game for what eight minutes in the first half and Baycott 
and the other big man from North Carolina shot six attempts. And they still won the freaking game again by taking contested threes when they were just passing around the outside. And I think you said it to me during the game, but like North Carolina's experience showed Duke turned the ball over a lot. But on the Carolina side, it was Caleb Love in the second half making unbelievably tough shots. And Armando Baycott with 21 rebounds, 11 offensive, just giving them second chance opportunities. They played harder. They wanted it more and they beat Duke. I mean, for, for North Carolina, the thing that we missed, and I mean, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I think what we missed is like they had some seniority on their team. And Duke, even in like the Zion, like a few years ago with him, like they were still freshmen coming on to play, I mean, the biggest game of their life when you get to the tournament. Like all these games are the biggest game you, you've ever played in. Forget about an AAU summer tournament. These are the biggest games that everyone is watching. And I think the seniority of North Carolina just it, it just helped them out. They, they knew a little bit maybe what to expect. They were just more seasoned in the game where, you know, Duke has some good young freshmen where we like that roster just skill-wise, but you, you can't downplay what that experience from being on the court um, can do. And I know we, we kind of talked about the coaching matchup where a rookie coach versus the winningest coach all time. That experience on the floor – like, forget about the coaches. That experience on the floor, I think we discounted that way too much. I don't even know if we addressed it. So that was a big spot that we missed. I don't know what system they're running. They're not running a system. They're running a chuck and rebound system. Maybe that's the best thing to run with this team. I get it. But their idea of getting an easy basket is Caleb Love chucking a contested step back three. And God damn it, if he didn't make almost every one of them in the second half. Keep an eye out for him in the NBA. I said this to you, but like we're looking at draft prospects right now, like Paolo Bencaro in this game faded huge down the stretch. He still ended up with 20 points. Um, but at the end of the game, they really shut him down. He went eight of 17 from the field. He had 10 rebounds. Like he had a good game. He just wasn't, you know, great. Oh, and, and dude, you're talking like manic, like those yeah. threes in the second half. Yeah, he, he was cold in the first half, but like I'm looking at the roster right now. Leaky Black, senior. Caleb Love, sophomore, but not a freshman. Uh, manic, a graduate. Um, hey, he's been around since like 1980, dude. Yeah, like he, he's been around. Um, Puff Johnson, the one guy that went in there for uh, Baycott. He's a sophomore, but Baycott, junior. Like, those minutes on the floor matter, especially when you get to these big moments. It, it's a difference maker when it, when it comes to when you're playing up against freshmen. Yeah, Bancaro could get to the rim pretty much whenever he wanted to. But, it, you know, the experience matters. And then I'll, I'll say something else here. Even though he's a first-year head coach, I listened to the, like, in between timeouts when, when the sideline reporter was talking to him and after the game, their biggest thing was shutting down points in the paint for Duke. They wanted to make them take, take contested jump shots. And it worked in that the last game of the season that they played at Duke, he, he was throwing around a stat. It was like 30 of their 50 points were all in the paint. And, and I think you even said it too, playing in that football arena with no backdrop, it's tough to make jump shots, especially when you're not used to it. So I think that game plan 
with the players that he had, it, it worked. Clearly it worked. Yeah. I mean, Duke still scored a shit ton of points in the paint, but it worked at the end of the game in the last three minutes. I, I, what you said about experience, Jeremy Roach for Duke, two turnovers in the final two minutes, and they both were atrocious. One, he just dribbled the ball off his foot, and the other one, he was going hard to the paint and just lost the ball. Like, literally, no one stole it. He just lost it. Carolina had the experience. Duke looked rattled at the end of that game. Like I said, Paulo faded. He didn't really do anything in the last couple minutes of the game. Um, Caleb Love made a really hard shot to give him the lead. It, it was a masterclass. And I was saying about Caleb Love and, you know, Paolo Bancaro, give me Caleb Love in the draft all day. Because, you know, he's not going to be Steph Curry, but he's somewhere between Bradley Beal and Jordan Poole. And I don't know about Paolo Bencaro. Yes, he has size. Yes, he has skill. But we saw it at the end of the game. If he needs to create his own shot, he's not great at it. And he projects to me to be like a slightly more skilled Julius Randle. And he's probably not even that good. And yeah, you get him in the right system, you develop him fine. But I hope Caleb Love doesn't get overlooked in this draft if he does come out. Because if you can make step back contested threes at a regular rate, the rest of your game will come. I mean, he's a good driver to the basket. He's not an elite athlete, but a lot of these guys like Bradley Beal, like Jordan Poole, like Steph Curry, they're not elite athletes. They create space by the moves and the skill that they have. So I don't know why he's not getting any buzz, but I, I hope he starts to get some. As far as everything else in the game, Williams misses the two big free throws at the end. Wendell Moore Jr. did not shoot the three ball well or well at all. He was four of 14 from the field. Duke collapsed at the end of the game. They were up eight. Maddock makes two threes. Carolina goes on a 9-0 run, takes the lead, never looks back. And that's kind of the whole game. And like I said, did Coach K achieve what he wanted to at Duke? In a sense, yes. He pulled them even with Carolina. But he never got them above Carolina. And this could have been the nail in the coffin to do that. And Carolina's still big brother Duke. And Carolina is big brother to Duke. And they're their daddy. And their fans know it. And their team knows it. And Duke fans, as insufferable as they are, I feel a little bad for him today because that's but, but, a tough there, out. We got to relax. Like, coach K does have, what, five championships? Great coach. All time, probably the greatest coach. Like, he created a program at Duke. I'm not saying he didn't do that. I'm just saying I think his goal was to pull them ahead of Carolina. And it never happened. Oh. I mean, I think his goal was to win as many championships as you possibly can. I mean, over what his first championship was in 91. I think we had that stat. So I mean, we got 30 years. You win five. That's huge. Uh, Most it, programs don't have two championships. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Temple has what the most wins or, or like top five wins as a program. But we have like some NIT banners. We've never won. Yeah. I mean, no, it's most, fifth. Fifth and wins. He has more wins than like all but like three schools in the country one guy has more wins than all those schools i, it, I mean it, it it is the ultimate trump card for unc versus duke but i mean i, I don't know i mean duke you, you still have all those wins you still have all the championships you, you still hang your hat on something number one recruiting class next year for for duke yeah yeah, so I mean, you're still also getting a Duke education. I mean, both of these schools, it's like Duke has like a seven percent acceptance, and North Carolina is like in the twenties in percent of acceptance. So it's both still great schools, but 
shit, I don't know. I mean, it, it was a crazy game. I, I know we were both pulling for Duke, but experience, experience matters. That's my biggest takeaway. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, 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 and Bancaro, too. The dude looked like he was just giving up defensively on some of those plays down the stretch. Like, he didn't even put a hand up on guys. Like, yeah, what that's been doing? That's been the calling card on him all year. He disengages defensively and looks to save energy. Not what you want to see from a prospect that young. Defense is a character trait, man. That's a personality. If you're going to lock up and play defense, that, that comes from your heart. And if he's not doing that in the final four, what are you going to do in the NBA when, shit, outside of the playoffs, do the games really matter? I, guys don't even try during the regular season unless it's the last week of the year. Like, God, I, you need more defense out of that. That was, that was bad. No, I totally agree, man. I to- I'm, I'm really concerned about him as a prospect going into the NBA. He, he reminds me a lot of a Jaleel Okafor type, but he shoots the ball better. And, and don't get me wrong. I scored like nine points in high school when I played basketball. Yeah, you could still make an observation, man. I didn't touch the fucking floor, but like I, I prided myself on defense. When I went out there, I played my ass off. You know, like you just got to play both sides of the floor, especially in the final four, dude. He's like, what, 6'8", 250? Be a defensive juggernaut. Yeah. Set yourself apart from every other prospect. There's no more Chad Holmgren. There's no Caleb Love, whoever the other guys are that are at the top of the board. There's none of that. You are the guy. If you play defense, he gets to the, rent, he gets to the, the rack every time with the ball. Like He can set himself apart as the unanimous number one overall pick. But like he just didn't engage. I, I, I don't know. Needed to be better. Yeah, no, I agree. But uh, moving off of Duke, North Carolina, and Coach K's funeral to uh, the Kansas-Villanova game. It was the appetizer. It was the first game uh, to get us ready for Duke, North Carolina. It was an all right game. I mean, Kansas led wire to wire. At one point, Nova cut it to six. I believe it was 44-38 or 46-40. They got it pretty close. But Kansas controlled the tempo. They controlled the pace. They dominated inside. McCormick had a huge game. He had one of the dunks of the year, just absolutely posterizing a dude from Nova. Agbaji, the the guard for Kansas, was hitting everything from deep. He was balling out. And if you look at both teams, I mean, yeah, we said it. If Nova could stay out of foul trouble and control the pace, they'd be fine. They didn't do either of those things, and Kansas dominated. Nova had three bench points. Kansas only had five bench points, surprisingly, but Nova had three bench points all game long that you're not going to win many games getting that. And uh, everything we said that would go right for Nova if they were to win went wrong for Nova and they lost, which I said on the last podcast is totally a possibility. Kansas got up and down. They hit big shots. Christian Braun at the end of that game as the shot clock was expiring, just chucking a, a deep three and it goes in came around a screen and hit another one the next possession, put the game away with about 3.30 left. Kansas was great. Nova wasn't. I, I mean, I don't even say Nova was bad because they played well. It's just they ran into a team at the top of their form shorthanded, and they couldn't beat them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we touched on depth all, all year. Like, we don't even need to talk about that, so – getting an abysmal number from your bench when Kansas is just bringing in guys that can. Well, Kansas only had five bench points. So it wasn't like they were lighting the world on fire on their bench either. I, what's his name? Um, 
Um, but how about this? When you can't keep up and you're down 19 points, you need someone from your bench that's oh, going to yeah. light a little fire under your ass. Yeah. When, when Kansas has guys that are just, like, dominating you. I mean, Remy but, Martin came off the bench for Kansas. He went one of five for three points. I mean, he might as well not have even played. He was probably drunk, but um, I, yeah, I, it wasn't a super entertaining game, if I'm being honest. It was kind of like Nova made that one run, and then other than that, Kansas just controlled the game. Yeah, Nova making the run before, the, before halftime, that, that, and I texted you this, it, it felt like, especially when you had either plus four and a half, plus five, plus four, whatever, it felt like, okay, 11 points is a lot more manageable than 19, but it, like, if we're watching the same game, I mean, Kansas just looked like men amongst boys out there against them, dunking all over the place, just playing so much better, shooting the lights out. Like, I liked Gillespie. Oh, I, I still like him, but he, he couldn't do it all. Yeah, and he couldn't. You, you saw where the injury just debilitated them and they had one ball fill it in yeah yeah and i i mean i'm really interested in the championship game which is tonight we are going to have a skip to the future live reaction on that coming up but i'm interested to see baycott and mccormick go at it because i think mccormick is far more skilled and i think baycott is really big and strong and fundamentally sound i think that's an interesting matchup and then agbaji versus uh caleb love and Kansas is a better offensive team because they actually run an offensive system. Is Carolina going to be able to chuck shots and win this game? I don't know. It's kind of worked all tournament. I, I don't really know what direction to go. I'm giving the edge to Kansas because no one's playing better than them right now. They are on fire. So I think Kansas wins pretty comfortably, but I don't know. Do we need a prediction? You, you want me to give a prediction right now? Yeah, we'll roll into Finney's betting corner. Just to recap, I went 0 for 2. You went 1 for 2. I had Nova plus 5, Duke minus 4. Both of those didn't hit, and you had Duke minus 4 and Kansas money line. So give me your national championship predictor. So you pick Kansas? Yeah, I'm picking Kansas. All right, I'm, I'm going UNC. <laughs> yeah, why not? I mean, just bet against me at this point. I'm ice cold. Fade Eric at all costs. <laughs> no, literally, fade me at all costs. I have won like four total bets this tournament. And I'm not going to lie – I kind of like UNC. It's not even a fade, Eric, all the way. Everything I said about Kansas, and, and I thought they were a championship team, right after the game I said, that team's going to win the championship. But I'm going UNC just to have some fun tonight um, and just to fade Eric, just to see how this new, uh, this new strategy. And I think I need some, some gambling karma back. So let me just throw a little bit away on UNC if they lose and uh, just move on. I'm not even, like, offended at this point. I'm so dejected with how I've been gambling lately that I, I, don't, have a, I don't have a comeback or anything. Like, fading me is probably the right call, honestly, at this point. No, the best part from last episode was before we ended the episode, it was like, do we have anything to worry about this minus five? Nah, Duke's going to blow him out, probably 15, 20 points. So we'll, we'll be coasting in on that one. As yeah. soon as I heard that, I should have known, switch the pick. <laughs> well, that's just what it felt like, man. I mean, Duke had more talent on the court and they just blew it. Like they absolutely blew it. They had that game in their grasp like three or four times and just couldn't take control. And this Caleb Love kids difference. I mean, he what North Carolina had 40 points in the second half and he had 28 of them. Like 
it's not like North Carolina played well. He played well on defense and rebounding. Carolina played well, but offensively they were meh. And Caleb Love just scored all of their points, which is like totally possible tonight against Kansas as well. Yeah, and I mean we sh- we should have seen it, dude. Like Duke UNC games, five points. It's it's like given seven in in the NFL playoffs. Like those games are gonna be close. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it was four, I thought, free throws at the end. Whatever. It was a bad call. They um Tonight will be interesting. If Carolina's chucking up threes and missing and Kansas can get out and run in transition, that's bad. But if Carolina's making shots early and Kansas can't get into a rhythm in transition, it I don't know. I, I, I'm picking Kansas. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know with this Carolina team because you watch them and you're like, their offensive system is bad but they win games. So who knows? I, they're not going to have Baycott's not just not going to have a strength advantage over McCormick inside. I, I think rebounding wise, I mean, he's had 20 rebounds in the, each of the last two games. If he can get 20 rebounds and 10 offensive rebounds again, then Carolina might win this game. Yeah. Dude, I'm, I'm looking at this, uh, this roster too. McCormick senior Abaji senior Cam Martin, super senior. Mitch Lightfoot, super senior. Um, Braun, junior. Like we, yeah. What we haven't talked about with this Kansas team either was they were going to win in 2020 when the tournament got canceled. I mean, they were like so much above every other team. They were the best team, and a lot of these guys were on that team. They're on a revenge tour of themselves. UNC just played their national championship. I mean, they beat Duke in the final four and knocked Coach K's career to or brought Coach K's career to an end. Kansas ain't done. Kansas wants payback. They want blood. They were supposed to win in 2020 and didn't. They're back for revenge this year, and this is their shot. I think Kansas is going to be playing with a little more energy. We'll see how that comes out, but uh, it's going to be a good game, I think. Dude, I mean, Remy Martin, the guy who comes off the bench, is a super senior. Like... Yeah, man. I mean, he's got to be 21, right? <laughs> funny, funny. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, damn. I- I'm not going to switch my pick, but, yeah, Kansas is probably going to win this. Looking yeah. at it. I mean, I mean, you know what? Take UNC. I-, I think fading me is a good call at this point. I would fade myself if I could, but there's only yeah, one of me. Put out the red alert to Kansas. Eric, bet on you. So, you guys are mushed. I said it, like, before the tournament even started, it's the Eric kiss of death. Whenever I start liking a team, they turn to complete shit. And then when I don't like them anymore, they're good. Look at Tennessee. Didn't like them. Didn't bet on them. Was like in the tournament. You know what? Tennessee is pretty good. Lose immediately. Well, well hey, if, if we're going to continue the roast show on me, I, I think I had UNC losing to Marquette in the first round. You did. You did. And, I do want to say and, that, you did. Another 40 minutes away from winning the national championship. Not Gotta to brag. Win. That was my stone cold lock of the the tournament to start. I was like, UNC will beat Marquette. And then you were like, well, actually I have Marquette. And I have Marquette beating Baylor. So I did have Baylor losing, but uh, wrong team there. No, but um, cool, cool. And I think actually I haven't checked the the bracket challenge. In a it's between bit. tonight. If, if Kansas yeah. wins, then Henry, please reach out to us. Um, you win. And if Kansas loses, then Chevello wins. Wow. Oh, wow. So Derm, Derm ended up dropping a little bit. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Henry to God for, we, we, 
we're going to need you to reach out, buddy, if, it, if Kansas wins. So. Yeah, we'll post it on social to make sure that you see it. But uh, I'm going to need to know who you are so I can send you the swag, the merch. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All righty. But yeah, I think that covers everything on the Final Four recap. We're going to jump into the future here and get our live championship game reaction. Going to see if fading Eric actually worked. It probably will. So let's get into that. Yeah, holy shit. What a game, dude. Instant classic, but that's probably a top 10, 15 game I've ever seen. I mean, I pick Kansas, never a doubt, man, you know? So <laughs> when you know, you know. Well, no, see, the Eric kiss of death is either it's if he dead. Says, if he says you should be picked above Paulo Bancaro or if he just picks you in general. So. Yeah, you're right. No, I, I killed Caleb Love in the process, but Caleb Love didn't have anything to do with my bet. So that sucks for him. I mean, his career's over. He's probably working at Popeye's in three years, but like, you know. Yeah, relax. <laughs> I ruined him. I ruined him. I gave him the kiss of death. Uh, but that was an incredible game. I mean, like the, the, the biggest halftime comeback in national championship game ever. Just want to point something small out. Charles Barkley dragged McCormick on the halftime show. He was like, this guy ain't Elijah Wan. Stop giving him the ball. And then he just goes out and balls in the second half. It was wild, dude. I mean, like first play of the second half, just like monster dunk. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Had, had basically the game winning shot. He literally did like a dream shake-esque move at one point and hit a hook shot. And I was like, did he hear Chuck say that? Like, what is happening? It was a great game. Um, Remy Martin with that killer, like, step back three off the screen. I mean, he, he had, what, three big shots? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'll be honest. When when Manic basically got knocked out in the first four minutes, I was like, oh, this game's definitely over. And then, I mean, I, Carolina was up by 16, up by 15 at the half. I mean, that was unbelievable. Dude, Puff Johnson came out of fucking nowhere, too. Like, this game had everything. Like, Carolina goes on the big run early. They get up 15 at half. And it wasn't even that early because, like, Kansas led early. They were up, like, 11-2 to two or 11-5. to five. And then Carolina goes on the big run before the end of the half. It was 22-22. I think they went in the halftime, what was it, 40-25? to 25? Yeah. yeah. Yep. And then Kansas out of the second half goes on a 20-6 to six run. Then Carolina comes back and starts making a ton of shots. It was wild, dude. That was an insane game. No, I mean, what else? Like Baycock getting injured at the very like last 30 seconds, 40 seconds of the game. He's crying after the game because McCormick hits the shot over Manic where it should have been him in there. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, mean yeah. two... I'm sorry. No, I was going to say like Love had a – it was it, it, definitely an off night for him. He twisted his ankle. What was that, like early in the second half, I think? That was – Early second half? Yeah, because he limped back down the court. That was, like, really early second half, like 15-minute mark. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no. Um, Two takeaways on Baycott. Baycott. One, he played so hard and so incredible, and the way he was bullying guys in the second half, they kind of took it away – in the first half, excuse me, they kind of took it away from him in the second half. They started calling more fouls. Like, they got him on fouls two straight possessions, I think, just to instill, like, hey – that shit's done for the game, but he still played incredible. And two, he's got to be like top five ugliest people I've ever seen in my life. Like no disrespect to the no, man. 
chill out. That guy played on the U18 FIBA national team no, and respect. won a gold medal. Respect. Like, great basketball player. Kind of looks like a salamander. But you know what? Like, he can ball. Um, he was just a bowling ball down low. It, it, Carolina, I had this whole thing ready, this whole per- speech prepared on how, like, they changed my perspective on how basketball's played this tournament. And Hubert Davis changed it on how basketball's coached because they played such a good defensive game in the first half. Just switching on everything, being physical, not allowing access to the lane, not allowing Kansas to get on run. And then offensively, their system is kind of like, we don't want the first really good shot. We just want the first good shot. Like, it doesn't have to be an open shot. If you're comfortable, let it rip, take it. And I don't like that style of offense, but it's been working all tournament. And I was thinking, like, maybe in this modern era of all this talent, that's the best way to coach. And then in the second half for like seven minutes, no one can make a shot and they couldn't get an easy basket. So I guess I still don't know. I mean, dude, Manic literally has like blacked out. Dude, I'm still caught up over him. Bro, his, his legs went limp. Yeah, Why he was, was concussed. He still on the court the entire game. I'm like, this guy just should not be out there. Definitely has a concussion. Yeah, they showed him on the bench like after he went out for that and he was just staring at nothing. Like he was just staring into the distance and he kept like rolling his neck around in his head. I was like, this guy's got a concussion right now. No one has checked in on him. No, I it's, fuck dude. That's bad. But All, Hubert Davis was electric when he was screaming. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I don't know what else, what more you can expect from a championship game, dude. That Nothing. is an this, instant classic. Um, reminiscent of like Nova, uh, UNC when Nova clearly hit a buzzer beater, but that game was like back and forth and back and forth and guys were hitting stupid shots. Like that Remy Martin corner three, was there ever a doubt that that ball was going in? That was a gorgeous shot. I, I'm sitting here. Cause I, I picked UNC obviously. So I'm like, no, no, no. And then it just fucking hits. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. That dejected me, man. Every single three that he made was just like, are you kidding me? Remy Martin, Remy Martin. Guy's drunk out there, man. But, dude, we're burying the lead, too. This game was over. I texted you when Manic turned the ball over, and I said, just send the link. Let's record it. And then, what's his name, Harrison, or the, the, the point guard for Kansas, steps out of bounds with four seconds left, gives UNC the ball again. I'm like, holy shit, they can hit a three to send it to overtime. And then they fucking miss it. I thought that shot was in, hit off the front of the rim, like, Damn, Manic falls down on the last play. Yeah, because he's concussed. Shit, yeah, <laughs> the whole game, he's walking around like a newborn deer. He had no idea where he was. No. Um, I texted you immediately. Why didn't anyone on North Carolina call timeout? They had two timeouts. They got two rebounds. And Puff Johnson, Puff the Magic Dragon, just chucks up this bullshit shot off the dribble like that's not his game and then manic gets the rebound and instead of calling one of the two timeouts they have left he just panics and throws it out of bounds probably because he was concussed but like still oh god it was wild it was that, wild dude it, i will say it kansas deserved to win i mean i'm watching the post game right now like they were the better team i guess but that could Co- coaching won that game I, I think Bill Self down the stretch. They ran this play. Do you remember when uh, Abaji got fouled on the three and missed the free yes. throws? That was like eight and a half minute mark. They ran this play where they dumped it inside to McCormick. 
North Carolina doubled, and the big man who passed it turned and set a flare screen for uh, Abaji, and he just came off of it and got an open three, and then they got a foul because the guy running off the screen was challenging yep. and he ran into him. But, like, what a play call. And, like, Carolina wasn't running any of that. They were just, like, high pick and roll, maybe we'll get a three. Like, it. again, I've been saying it all tournament, maybe – they taught me something in the first half. Like maybe my view of basketball is wrong, but it felt like Kansas was running really good offense. Uh, yeah. I mean that deficit early, like, yeah, it was a 15 point deficit, but it didn't feel like it. No, because it happened like, so fast. Yeah. Like Kansas, like uh, all I'm saying is that first half scoreline was just not accurate as to how the game was actually being played no i agree i mean wilson couldn't make a layup like kansas was getting open shots they were getting open layups and he just like oh, couldn't make a layup they were six of 21 in the paint in the first half yeah that's unbelievable that's unbelievably and, bad in the paint what and like I, my apologies to mr brown i thought his last name was Braun because that's how it's spelled but all okay. broadcasts they were calling him brown and i was like can you just can people just pronounce their names right? Like, that's not how to say your name. I mean, you can say it like that, but I don't know. That was a it backhanded be, apology. But must be French or something, but... Nah, he just looks like a dude from Kansas, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, He had some good plays, though, down, down in the second half, like early in the second half. Oh, no, I, I think him and Remy Martin are the guys who turned it on in the second half, and they... I mean, I mean, Brown, I don't know if he even had, like, a ton of points in the first half, if any. He had, like, all his points in the second half, just cooking. Remy Martin, obviously, I think he had three threes. So that's a nine points right there. Like, those two guys, unsung heroes. I mean, I saw, I saw him on the championship stage when they were handing out the trophy. Remy Martin had the time of his life. He's up there dancing. But um, Yeah, man. Remy Martin gave me some Monte Ellis vibes tonight because he fades away on every jump shot. Like, literally every jump shot, he fades away. And it looks bad. Like, on the one in the corner, I was like, there's no way he's going to make that. And then the second he released it, I was like, oh, no, that's good. That's absolute cash. That thing did yeah. not touch the rim. And, and then, he was, then he, he was just hot, and then he was just handling the ball. I mean, great game, man. That was, that was phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, you can't – this embrace debate here. Best tournament ever? I'll lay out the case. Let me lay out the case. St. Peter's first 15 to ever make the elite eight. We had three of the one seeds gone by the elite eight. Like all these upsets, the first round was wild. Like remember Iowa, Iowa was in my final four. Remember fucking Iowa. They died in the first round of Richmond. Um, you know, St. Peter's beats Kentucky who a lot of people have. Houston as a five seed gets pretty far. I mean, Nova, a team that a lot of people wrote off, got pretty far. Arkansas got out. I think we both had UConn. Like, Arkansas got out of that. It, it, I don't know. It was a wild tournament. All the games were pretty close. Like, there weren't a lot of blowouts. Maybe yeah. the best ever. Yeah, I'm not really like a NCAA tournament history buff so I, I really don't know in my lifetime i mean it's definitely up there storyline wise it's, it's pretty good i mean duke not winning in the final four the duke unc final four that's up there um shit i gotta probably. go george mason making the final four 
like we were young when that happened, but I still have memories of that. Like, I don't remember what seed they were. They were probably like a 12 or a 13. Yeah, I mean, Shaka Smart's been ir- irrelevant, but when he took VCU to, I, I don't even know how long ago that was, but since then he's been yeah. irrelevant, but that was, that was a big year. Um, I you think know, there's a you possibility. You know who Shaka Smart coaches now, uh, Finney? Texas, right? No, no. He coaches Marquette. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. Um, no, but I mean, I mean, I said on the open, this was like a, this might be a top 15 game I've watched. So the national championship game alone is incredible. Yeah, no. And I mean, like you got to do Carolina final four too. like coach K loses to UNC, like all of the storylines, everything I'm biased, I guess. Cause I went, I saw North Carolina play, which is cool in retrospect, but like, I saw St. Peter's like that. All, all that plays in for me. Uh, shout out, Henry. You won the uh, bracket challenge. I Holy owe you shit. some merch and we will get it to you. If you hear this podcast, message the Good Soup Instagram account. I will post tomorrow on the story to make sure that we get you your merch. Facts. Good work, Henry, man. That, that's crazy. I mean, I don't know if anyone really had a great bracket, but. This was the year to have just a dog shit bracket and still win. He got like over a thousand points too. I mean, he picked the champion. He did well. Uh, yeah, I, I think he had two teams in the final four. He had Nova as well. Maybe Duke. Maybe he had three. Good shit. Good shit. Damn. I mean, that's. I'm looking at. I'm watching the highlights right now. It, it, it was really good. We can stop rambling, but. Yeah, it was a fucking great game. Um. Oh, dude, dude, dude. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Last thing I'll say. They definitely showed. Allen Fieldhouse, they were celebrating, I think, before it was over. Like, North Carolina still had a shot, and those kids rushed the court. Yeah, it was before the out-of-bounds play. They thought Holy they were going to get fouled and make two free throws. Dude, talk about an all-time possible jinx. Oh, yeah. my God. No, that was bad, dude. That was really bad. Um, the atmosphere in there was crazy. Yeah, just what a game. What oh, a game. The, the sideline view of the camera. And how you just saw the huge, like, like the people in the stands. Yeah. How just awesome it looked, like, just from all the way down low, all the way up. It felt like a, it felt like the old footage you see of, like, Boston Garden or, like, the old basketball footage, black and white, grainy, how it's just people sitting. Like, it was an awesome vibe. Yeah, no, it was, it was a sick game. Can't ask for anything else. I mean, you got Kansas and North Carolina in the championship, and they play to the last possession. Uh yeah, man. Wild stuff. Uh, we're going to, I'm going to say this now because we didn't say it on the podcast earlier, but we're doing two podcasts in two days. Uh, we teased the Zach Fisher uh, baseball MLB 2022 preview. That's just going to come out tomorrow because we went super in depth and super long, which was awesome. I think you guys are going to love it, but rather than putting out a super long podcast, we're going to rip it in two installments plus there were a lot of meat left on this bone from this game. So also I'm fucking exhausted. That was, that was an emotional roller coaster. Dude, it was. And I, I was so just ready to come on and be like, well, found my new betting strategy. Fade Eric. Yeah. You know what? That's the last thing I'll say. You went way too late. If you faded me like two weeks ago, man, you would have made so much fucking money. You would have made, I know. Cause I lost a lot of money. You would have made so much fucking money, man. If you just faded me at the right time but you hopped on to be a hater just a little too late and i got a feeling 
ooh, ooh, that tonight's going to be a good night. And that I'm going to get on a hot streak now. Baseball season's coming up. A little too late, bro. I was 20 minutes too late. Yeah, the, but I, it was 15 point deficit. They came back you, from the largest. You literally went against all odds. It's never happened before that a team comes back from 16 points. I doubled down at halftime because my I, reputation was on the line. I had the live bet. Oh, and, I mean, listen, if you hopped on the other side, the minute I live bet Tennessee four times and they lost to Michigan, you would have been a smart man and I wouldn't have blamed you and you would have won a lot of money. But now, now, now I'm hot, Finn. Don't let me get hot. I won one bet and I'm back, baby. Okay. Okay. Well, you know what? That I, I even said it in the preview. This was just for gambling karma. I was going to place it on you. And no, honestly, looking back, am, am I the mush? Yeah. No, 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 no. maybe, maybe. No, I'm not going to fade you though, because I trust your insight. You know, I have confidence that even if you get on a cold streak for a little bit, you're going to pull through. Well, to be my honest, friend. though, UNC did cover. It was yeah, they did. They co- good teams win, great teams cover. So that is true. I, I mean, I, I, I am just a money line dog. So Same. I'm not, I'm not going to claim it, but UNC did cover. You know, so. I think in retrospect, that might have been my problem this tournament. I'm always a money line guy, and I didn't love all the lines. So I started betting the points and I was teasing them at first. And then I went into just like the full lines and I just like burned me so bad. Yeah, no, it'll happen. Well, at least we have NBA coming up. So basketball playoffs. Yeah, dude, to the contrary, NBA playoffs this year are about to be fucking wild. I'm telling you, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, that's our recap. Um, I think we're leading right into NBA rapid fire. So Get ready for that, guys. And uh, we're just going to jump back into the past real quick. Transitioning to the end of the show here, we're going to hit NBA rapid fire and this day in sports and call it a podcast. So, Finney, whenever you want to lead me into NBA rapid fire. All righty. Let's get the the stopwatch going. And we're ready in three, two, one. Have at it. All right. This is the last week of the NBA season and stakes are high. The East standings are stacked. And as we stand today, the Heat have won four straight games since the fight incident. They are two up on the Celtics for the two seed, two and a half up on the Bucks and Sixers for the three and the four seed. And just looking at these standings right now, the Sixers are exactly where I want them to be. If the Heat hold is the one and the Sixers get the four, then they'll draw Chicago in the first and Miami in the second and avoid Milwaukee or um, Boston in the second round. That's huge. I think that's what the Sixers need right now. They're not looking too great. James Harden's not looking too great, but this four or five matchup with the bulls is the most favorable matchup. I think in the first round, even like the bucks playing the Raptors with the vaccine mandate rules in Toronto and maybe not having some guys available. I'd rather play the bulls then the Raptors, or even the Cavaliers. I think the Bulls stink. So, yes, the Sixers are in the four right now. The Heat are in the one, and I like where they are. We have five games left in the regular season. The Bucks and the Celtics are jockeying position for the two and the three, but in the end, it might not really matter that much. Um, both teams have a pretty hard remaining schedule. A lot of these teams have four games remaining. Most teams have four games remaining, so they're 
separated by a half game. I think something's got to give there. I, I, I don't know if the Sixers stay in the Ford either because their remaining schedule is pretty easy, but we shall see. They did lose to the Pistons the other night. Other big news, the Lakers have fallen two games out of the playoffs with four games left. They are dead meat. They got jumped by the Spurs, who have moved into position with two straight wins. The Lakers have lost six straight. They're losers of two. Uh, sorry, losers of eight out of their last 10 games. That's two and eight over the last 10 games. They're in free fall mode. We said it all year. The lineup doesn't make sense. Rush do- Russ doesn't make sense. And the Lakers are done. I think they're cooked. I don't think they can catch the Spurs at this point. They're two back with four left. They got to hope for the best and the Spurs to lose some games, but the Spurs are playing pretty well right now. They're seven and three in their last 10. They caught fire a little later than I thought they would, but caught fire. Nonetheless, only one game back of the Pelicans for the nine seed right now. And that leads into the last thing I want to talk about are a check-in on my predictions. My two teams to look out for one in the East, one in the West were the Hawks and the Spurs. Right now, as we sit last night, the Hawks moved into the eighth seed. They've won five straight games. They've won seven of their last 10. They jumped the Hornets. They jumped the Nets. They're right now a game ahead of each team for the eighth seed. They're only a game and a half back of the Cavs for the seventh seed. There's still an outside chance they catch them because the Cavs still have to play the Sixers and the Bucks left on their schedule. So look out for the Hawks. If they get the seventh seed and they get to play Boston in the second round, that could be a tough matchup for Boston. I I really do believe that. I think they could even be a tough matchup for Miami if Miami gets the one seed and the Hawks or the eight seed, considering they win the play-in game, which right now would be against the Nets. Oh, no, sorry, the Hornets, which I think they would. But the Spurs, on the other hand, they've caught fire recently. Um, Like I said, winners of two in a row, seven of their last 10. They're the 10 seed in the West right now. The only game back of the Pelicans for the nine. So both of those teams caught fire at the right time. Both predictions look pretty good. End of the NBA season. Last games are Sunday. So we'll see how the rest of the week shakes out. Damn. That was, that was an easy one, man. Three and a half minutes. So hell yeah. Yeah. There's not a, there's not a ton to say because the season ends this week and not a ton has changed, but I mean, Lakers dropping out. Woo. Six Trouble straight losses paradise. when it matters most. Yeah, that's that'll be great to hear from James in a few weeks about. I, like, I don't even know where they go from here. I'm seeing like Anthony Davis trades. I'm seeing trade everyone. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> that's stressful. It's very stressful, man. And honestly, like, who knows? We might get the death of Coach K and the death of LeBron in the same month, which might be too much for me to handle. But LeBron will be fine. I'm, I'm overstating it. But, yeah, they're going to miss the playoffs, I think, which is kind of crazy to think about. But uh, even if they get in the playoff game, playing game, I guess who knows? They could win. Okay, so let's win the playing game and then just get destroyed by Phoenix, the, yeah. by the Suns for, like, the second year in a row. Yeah. So. Although, if they win the play-in, it's the I don't know how this works. Is it the 10 beats the seven and then becomes the seven or is it the lowest seeded team? I don't even remember. But it, it, to me, it, it would make sense if the lowest seeded team remaining. Yeah, plays I would the best. assume yeah. that's how it works. Yeah, because I think they it's a two game play. And so the 10 has to play the seven and the 10 has to play the eight. Wait, what? Right. Is it not? No, I think it's just a one game play in like the 10 plays the seven. Whoever wins that moves on, and then the nine plays the no. eight. You know what it is? Ten plays the seven. Loser of that game plays the loser of the eight-nine. That's how it works. So, like, oh. yeah. Yeah. I, I remember now. Maybe? Yeah. 
Yeah, that sounds right to me. I think that's right. I don't know. Fuck, it's dude, that, that sounds shit. so fucking... Yeah, like, what... Just keep it to eight. Like, why the fuck do they do that? Oh, my God, it pisses me off. I'm having a great day, by the way, so... Yeah? No, I'm kidding. Like, I'm getting I'm getting pissed off about NBA playing. No, like, it's pretty fucking stupid that I watch this... Yeah. Like, I watch Game Pass every night, and I don't know how the fuck this works still, but... That's great, NBA. Keep doing what you're doing. It's clearly working. Uh, I will watch both games, though. It NBA. might just be one game. I could just be wrong here. Uh, I'm looking at it right now, and it's like, and then and then I have to find an article that has so, like so many words for me to read. Yeah, okay. you got to skim it, and then it's like, where's the actual knowledge here? Yeah. Okay. NBA play in tournament rules. The number seven seed will face the number eight seed. The winner of that game becomes the number seven seed. The number eight seed will face number 10 seed in each conference loser. The loser of that game is eliminated from playoff contention. The loser of the seven, eight game then plays the winner of the nine, 10 game for the number eight and final seed in the playoffs. Okay. That's, that's basically more or less what we were talking about. Yeah. So the, yeah. Oh, so it's wow. seven, eight, nine, 10 losers, loser of the seven game plays the winner of the nine, 10 loser of the nine, 10 is eliminated on the spot. Way tougher than it needs to be. Uh, yeah. if, if you can't be in the top eight, you're not in the playoffs. No, I, I agree. I agree totally. It's good for viewership, though. But we'll transition into our last segment, This Day in Sports. On April 5th, 1984, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar breaks Wilt Chamberlain's all-time scoring record of th- 31,419 points when he hit a two-pointer to give him 31,421. He clearly added to that. And he is still, to this day, the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. Impressive. And that's the, that's the only record that's keeping LeBron in the NBA is yeah. passing Kareem for the most points. And to be honest, he's probably going to break it, I think, especially after the year he's had averaging nearly 30 points a game. Yeah, but he'll have to play for at least, like, what is it? I've, I've seen numbers on this, like three more seasons. Conservatively, it's four if he averages 24 or less. But if he averages 25 or more, it's anywhere from two to three. I mean, if he averages 30 the next two years, he's going to get it. Yeah. And then it's going to be LeBron or MJ. Well, six championships versus every single record book or every single record in the book. So It's such a stupid argument because it's like, dude, they played in different eras of basketball. I mean, the skill level now and the way the game's played, MJ wouldn't survive. And the physicality and the way the game was played back then, LeBron would have never become a three-point shooter like he has now and probably wouldn't have as many points. I I really don't know. He probably would have gotten put on a team where he had to play in a system rather than just like given the keys and the ISO ball era to do whatever he wanted to do. So it's too tough. It's too tough to evaluate. Why can't we say both guys are great and move on? You know? Yeah. I'm trying to, the NBA introduced the three point line in the 79 80 season. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, they weren't shooting threes like they were now back then. No. Like he would have never had to move so far out from the basket, extend his scoring ability. Like he has. It's wild. And, And like, yeah, everyone that says, well, LeBron would have never survived in that era with physicality, the way he likes to draw fouls. Well, MJ's not skilled enough to play in the modern NBA. He just wasn't like if MJ played in the NBA. Now he's D'Angelo Russell. Like I, 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 that's not a a slight on MJ. He's one of the greatest basketball players of all time because he 
played in the era he played in and built himself in the era he built himself in. Just as if Wilt played now, he wouldn't have been as dominant because he would have been playing against guys that are bigger and more athletic. He still would have been a great player, but I don't know, man. Why don't we just take these guys for what they did and appreciate them? Oh, 100%. 100%. But I'm going to do an alternate this day in sports for today. The buzz around Tiger Woods potentially playing in the Masters is at an all-time high. Yeah, it is. That is this day in sports. I already locked in a future last week, Tiger, to win the Masters because you have to. You just have to. The last time he did win, I had a future on it. Oh, hell yeah. That That was one of the coolest moments in sports history. Oh, I mean, this weekend is probably going to be must-watch TV for me. Yeah. Um, It's going to be so nice out, and I will be watching Tiger Woods just swing a golf club because I have to. I'll save my legit Masters prediction for the Thursday pod because we can get into it, who we like, different stuff. I love the Masters. I love golf. But, uh... I'm going to save it. I, I have who I like besides Tiger because I'm clearly betting on Tiger. Nothing big, just a small bet on Tiger to uh, to win just for fun because I want to root for it. I want to watch it, and I, I want to feel even better if he does win. What's the line on that? What's the future? was like, plus 3,300. 3,300? <laughs> 33, yeah. 33, 33 is a master number. You know, I know. that? I know. Oh, oh my gosh. Throw everything on it, man. Since I made that bet, it has like decreased down to like nineteen hundred now. Oh, because well, he had the um, like he, he was practicing this week with such a flex. Like Charlie Woods gets to go and play golf with his dad and Justin Rose out out on the golf out on a Justin Gus Thomas, level. but yeah, Justin Thomas, whatever, dude. It's so oh, that's so sick, man. Um, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited too. We'll uh, talk more about the Masters on Thursday. We'll get into some more stuff. Opening day will have happened by then. But have a safe and great week, everyone. If you like the content we're putting out, check us out on Instagram, good underscore soup underscore blog. Check us out on YouTube, good soup exclamation point. And check out www.goodsoup.blog. Have a great day and have a great week. And we'll see you all on Thursday.